everyone, I'm Rachel Foley here with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. We're on episode 140, and this week's question is, how can you use the five senses in writing? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy our episode, please give it a like, write a review, and share it with your friends. It really means a lot because the more the merrier, yay! All right, so we're going to be talking about the five senses in writing, and it kind of sounds obvious to use the five senses in writing because it's just yet another form of description, but it doesn't always come easily to some people like me. I'm terrible at description, so let's talk about it. I'm the perfect person to educate you guys on this. So first, why do we need to use the five senses in writing? It's just, it's natural. We all have senses and we all use them all the time whether we mean to or not it's nature it's it's just our makeup and our build so i mean basically we we use our senses automatically without even realizing it so our characters should probably use their senses automatically as well and it kind of goes back to the whole show don't tell type of advice for writing I think that piece of advice should be taken with a grain of salt because I think it depends on the scene and what's going on in the book where you can you can choose what you need to show and what you need to tell. But for the sake of this episode, we're going to talk about showing the five senses. For example, you could easily say, Charlie smelled the chili and coughed. Okay, but why did he cough from the chili? What exactly does the chili smell like was it too spicy and that's did something get caught in his throat and that's why he he coughed it's much better to say charlie leaned over the pot breathing in deeply he recoiled away the hot spices tickling his nose throwing him into a coughing fit is that the best piece of description i don't know as i said i'm not good at it but you know take it again take it with a grain of salt so it shows a little it it gives a little more insight to the reader about about the chili about Charlie's sense of smell and about just what Charlie's doing in general. Not only do you get his sense of smell, but you also can visually see him leaning over the pot and, you know, seeing the chili and breathing in the spices. That's a really good example because the first example, it could be that he hates the smell of chili, that maybe he's allergic to chili. It doesn't give you anything. It could be any of those things, or it could be, as you noticed, it was a hot spicy smell that overwhelmed his senses so having that extra description really pulling you in is so important and with that I'm going to jerkily segue into my point which is don't neglect different senses so for us writers who have sight because there are writers who are partially sighted or blind we can get a little lazy just by focusing on the the sense of sight because it's often considered a dominant sense but really we are taking in our environment with all of our working senses we might be more aware of our sense of sight compared to like hearing something or feeling something but in the end all of our working senses are active all the time and unless you've got a cold and suddenly you can't smell anything (laughs) But in in general, if your senses are working, you are taking in information on a conscious and unconscious level all the time. And I think it can be quite easy to fall into the pitfall 
of relying on the sense of sight. If someone told you, describe the room, it's so easy to be like, you know, the walls were uh, a deep, dark, peacock blue and light came through the big arched windows. I don't live in a house like this, just so you know, this is not my room. <laughs> but huge bookcases filled one wall covered in old-fashioned books. All of that is visual. You're not feeling the sun. You're not smelling the dust of the books. You're not getting any other senses. It's just visual. And you'll find that in some writing where when you're describing something, you will probably do the sight first. You will explain what the character can see because you're putting the writer in there, you're putting the reader in there and explaining the room. So yes, you will probably deal with the sight first. It should not be at the expense of other senses. You need to be aware of the other senses and make sure you are adding them all in or not all at the same time. We don't want to fill every scene with a million senses, but yeah, definitely don't go, oh, I'm going to describe everything visually. No, not just visually. Think a bit bigger than that. I was actually just going to say, when I think of description, I always think of sight. And it's like, describe the room that you're sitting in. It's like, I'm going to explain everything that I see. But I don't think to say, I hear the ceiling fan going, or I hear the whirring of my computer, or I'm touching this squishy chair. I don't even know how to describe this chair. Squish, squ yeah, squishy works. Uh, what other senses do I have? I'm not eating anything. I'm missing one. Oh, smell. I smell here. Yeah. I don't smell anything either. I don't know. But it, you know, you don't need to. Um, but I think it's it's easier to describe using sight because we do typically see more things than we're currently tasting because again, I'm not eating anything. So therefore I'm not using that sense at the moment. But I do wanna agree with Ari when she says, don't use all the senses at once because it definitely can be overkill. For example, if you're sitting at a coffee shop and you're writing or something, you can definitely have a sensory overload. You'd see people, you'd hear them talking, you'd hear the cash register, cups clinking behind the counter, blenders, coffee being made, etc. You can smell the coffee and any food. You may smell the person sitting behind you. Uh, hopefully they smell good. Uh, you would taste the coffee and your food that you're eating. You'd be touching the table, your coffee mug, your laptop. You'd be hearing, probably other people are working on their laptops. So you'd be hearing them typing away and chatting to each other. There's so, so many things that you would be doing in a coffee shop, but, if your character is sitting in a coffee shop working and doing those things, do your readers necessarily need to know all of that? Or like, do you can set the scene and describe that the cafe was busy because they can hear so many people talking and it's so loud that they can barely hear themselves think. But you probably don't necessarily need to know that they can smell the BO from the person behind them, unless that's a character that's about to be introduced. But for the most part, you there are certain things that you can leave out but it's still important to try to utilize as many senses as you can to set the scene as long as you don't overload your readers that's it you can end up swinging too far the other way you can start with just doing description with sight which is a good foundation in one sense because as you said that is our main one it's this it's it's the one we're the most conscious of i think however 
you can swing the other way where you obsess about putting all five senses in and that becomes cluttered so you can you can think differently about how you introduce the senses so if i use an example Cheerful chatter and the soft melody of some folk song beckoned the weary travellers into the tavern. As the door was pushed open, a blanket of warmth enveloped them from the open fire. So with that, we have the sense of touch. You can feel the warmth and you have the sound of the speaker, people speaking and some song. And obviously you could even then move on a little bit to describing a bit more of the room. But you don't really need to because some of that will already give you this kind of sense of well, there was cheerful people talking so okay it's a very happier place to be it's very welcoming and inviting and the soft melody so it's not some raging bar where everyone's fighting it's kind of you know gentle and just come in and get rid of all the weariness and, and sit by the fire so we already know there's a fire in there and the reader can fill up the rest of the description in their head you don't need to fully describe the tavern you've given enough to put the to give the reader some idea and they can fill in other bits because that's a, that's a mistake some writers make i'm going to sort of segue a bit with describing is they describe everything you know a really detailed description like oh put the reader fully describe and it's like well you have to leave gaps so the reader can fill things in themselves so by just using a few senses and laying a bit of a foundation and then the reader can fill in the rest. I mean, yes, the image you have as a writer in your head of what the tavern looks like and the image that the reader is going to have, the different readers, it'll be different. But that's OK. <laughs> Even if you describe everything. I mean, let's be honest, we describe our characters pretty intensely. I think most writers are, are kind of character driven and they will write very detailed descriptions of their characters. And I guarantee if you was, were able to project the image of a character of yours out into, as a hologram and then you got 10 readers who had read your book and they did the same, they would all look different. No matter how much you describe it, they would all look different. So it's okay to give readers space to build their own description. So yeah, Rachel's right, don't overload with every sense. The description given with like the coffee shop, things you can you can pick out pieces what is the most important piece is it the grinding of the beans or the overwhelming smell of coffee because god it's horrible <laughs> i know <laughs> rachel's looking Excuse very you. offended no bitter it's horrible and bitter i quit <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me to do the podcast alone please go <laughs> but with that i'm gonna i'm gonna jackknife towards my other point which is read through your work with a highlighter Z, highlighters let's go back again read through your work with highlighters and go through and highlight the different senses in different colors in the different scenes and you'll probably notice especially the first time you do this that you're very heavily leaning towards one maybe two senses and you'll notice that some of the others are falling to the wayside and what you want to do is try and balance that now i'm not saying you want to start making everybody smell something <laughs> because the whole point of things like the sense of smell is it's mostly quite subtle um i'm going to again go a bit weird if you are a smoker or if you own a pet you will not notice any smells that come from animals or cigarettes in your own home 
and that is actually an evolutionary thing you get used to natural smells that are in your familiar environment and that happens doing a biology lesson now that happens so that if an unknown smell comes in such as a gas leak <laughs> you are more likely to notice it whereas if someone doesn't smoke and they come to your house and you're a smoker they will notice the sense of smoke the smell of smoke and the lingering smell that that can cause because it's not their familiar smell so you don't want to be bombarding every character with lots of different smells especially if they're in their own home or they're doing something they've always done they don't need to be overwhelmed with the smell of manure if they're in the farm industry because they probably won't notice it as much as someone who isn't in the farm industry things like that so you have to think of things you know you have to go deeper and think well certain sounds will be more important to to different people so if you've got some person who is on the run from the palace guard they're going to be highly attuned to any weird sounds out there so they're going to be listening and straining if you've got someone just walking along the path they always walk to the shops they're probably not going to be as drawn to any random sounds obviously if there's suddenly something like a screaming dragon noise then that's important but don't obsess about well we've got to put all the sounds and the smells in think about the situation think about the environment the whole point of senses is to make your writing deeper and that comes from building the world it comes from the scene and it comes from putting the reader into the thick of it so at every scene you want to ask yourself what sounds would be there in the foreground and in the background, what sights would be there? What scents are in the air? What sensations do they feel against their skin? You know, are they feeling the weather? Are they feeling the air? Anything, the sense of smell, the sense of taste. And that doesn't have to always be food. I mean, you can taste it. If you walk into a room that's full of dust, you can taste it. If you if you smell something, you will often get like a, like if you smell something rotten, you can get a gag reflex because the the, I want to get this right, the oratory senses and the taste senses are connected. That's why if you have a cold, you can barely taste anything. They're very connected to each other. And then what you need to do is figure out which of all these sounds, smells, tastes and everything are actually that important to the scene and cut the ones that aren't. You know, that way you're not overusing the senses, like Rachel said, and stressing the reader out from reading excessive amounts of sense. I feel like I completely trailed off over there. No, no, I 100% I agree with everything that you said. I think it's a good idea to read through your work and highlight uh, the different senses and different colors because then you will visually see how much, um, how much you're favoring one sense over another. And, and again, sometimes that might not be a bad thing if um, depending on which sense is currently important. Um, and it also kind of depends on your character too. Like maybe your character is completely oblivious and doesn't see, you know, the dead body in the corner. I don't, I don't know. They may smell it though, <laughs> unless it's their house and they're the murderer, then they may not smell it because they're used to dead body smells. Who knows? I apologize. My, my brain always goes to dead people, but <laughs> that's my example. <laughs> Uh, you can tell the crime writer among us, can't you? <laughs> that is my example. <laughs> but you're right, though, because imagine if you had a hunter who was always dealing with dead animals and the smell of like, rotting carcasses, 
would they notice the smell of a rotting body further down the bush? They might be like, "Ah, just a dead animal and they could carry on, you know, skinning their rabbit or whatever they're doing. Whereas somebody who is not into that might go, there's a really horrible, weird smell here. And then they can find the body. So, yeah. So on that lovely note, I'm going to wrap it up. So basically the whole point of using the five senses in writing is because it makes it more relatable to the readers and it's just a natural thing. We use our senses automatically. However, you don't want to neglect certain senses. You want to make sure that you use every single one here and there. I mean, not too scarcely, but you also don't want to use the senses all at once. Otherwise it could be overkill. So you kind of need to pick and choose your battles, figure out look at the scene, set the scene and decide what's important for the readers to know and what type of senses would your character actually notice. And to help you through that, make sure you read your work and highlight the different senses that you use so that you can visually see, um, so that you can visually see which senses you use most often. And you can kind of play around with the senses. Maybe your character, smell something, but it would actually be better for them to see it before they smell it or vice versa or whatever. You play around with it, have some fun with it because it can it can be fun and it's it's such a unique way to describe stuff. And I say it's unique even though it should just be it should just be natural. That's how we describe things. Okay, so before we turn it over to you guys, Ari and I wanted to give you guys a quick reminder that guest applications are open for 2023. So if you didn't know, we have an FAQ page over on our Podbean page, and the FAQ will explain everything about the podcast uh, with frequently asked questions that we've received from you guys, and also just information about being a guest on the podcast. And on that page, there is a link to a Google form so that after reading the FAQ page, then by all means, fill out the Google form. And we will sift through all the responses and we'll be in touch soon. So the link for that is in the description below. Unless you're on Podbean right now, then it's to your left. But now we'll actually turn it over to you guys. Do you make sure you use the five senses in your writing? And how do you go about doing that? We'd love to chat about it. So tell us your answers in the comments below. And if you want to get some more of the Merry Writer podcast, then be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you're listening. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Merry Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps keep the show going, so we really appreciate the support. But in the meantime, you guys can tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Merry Writer podcast, where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Stuffed Bookshelves. Our TBR files are huge. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.